Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in beautiful quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. So we have a couple of things to talk about with a couple of our friends here today. Steve Lehman, sports anchor at News Channel 5 is going to stop by. We've got Austin Huff of the Tighten Up podcast. Got five good minutes on something that we are now declaring today, Tuesday, June the 9th. Today is officially Matt Neely Day, 6-9, in honor of the boy. So we'll have five good minutes on Matt Neely at the end of the show and a lot of interesting stuff to talk about between Jarrell Casey's comments on the Double Coverage podcast. You will hear from him and his feelings on how the Titans trade went down. We will discuss as a group. We will also spend some time on Coach Gus Duggerton, who will return to Rocky Top for a second season. We taped this podcast, admittedly, before Big Cat announced that the virtual Vols quest for a national championship There will be a part two, but we will discuss it. Uh, It's pretty much an evergreen discussion. It's more about what they are trying to accomplish at Tennessee with the Barstool stuff, and that still holds true, even though he will be back for another season in a way that we did not believe him. uh, To We just didn't think he'd do it, and now he has. Regardless, I'm going to stop yammering. Let's get to Steve Lehman and Austin Huff. Yeah, you you don't you don't have the, the the glamour lights like I do, Steve. I do not. I do not. Uh, this may be the best I can do. Though. That's it's up to you. Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. The the good looks come through. It's clear you've had a haircut. You look dashing. I wouldn't worry about it. That's yeah, true. Should... I've had like one haircut in 2020. <laughs> Thank heavens it happened. Yeah. Should I go put on a tie? Is that I didn't? Should we dress yeah, up? No, layman. Layman is. I'm I'm I sitting here like... in a in a marathon shirt that I didn't even run. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> No, we're very limited on where we can move in the building now, so yeah. we really kind of have to come ready to do all things at this point. So, right. do you even get Otherwise, makeup? Otherwise, have to like put on a hazmat suit, which is, you know, more difficult. Do they even give you makeup right now? Uh well, they never give us makeup in the first place. It's all oh. the responsibility of our ourselves. Oh. So. Uh, you can do that as well, but now I'm doing it here in the sports office as opposed to the upstairs <laughs> in the makeup room. Because I would like have to put on a mask to do that, and 
I don't know if you've ever tried to put makeup on with a mask, but it's not really easy or feasible. So, I, I think that the, since the recording has already started, that that should be the introduction to the podcast. Austin Huff of the Tighten Up <laughs> Podcast and Steve Lehman of News Channel 5 are here with us on the 615 sessions. We have just walked you through behind the scenes of what it is, the glamour of television. I had Steve, uh, Corey Curtis had to teach me how to put on makeup uh, when I first did uh, television for the first time. And it was one of the most embarrassing and, uh, and also highlights of my career at this point. So I, I wonder what was it for you, the what was it like for you the first time that you had to self-apply makeup to do, uh, to do television? Man, I, I, I think I can maybe even top that. I, uh, I had to ask my mom because I was back in, <laughs> I was back in college and I was like, they tell me I need makeup to do this thing for the school TV station. What do I even do? And so she like gave me a couple of thoughts of like, well, you might want to do this, go to a makeup counter, say you want that. And so that's kind of where it started. Then you show up at a makeup counter and you're like, Hey, I, I need some makeup. And the girl behind the counter looks at you like, why? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so then you have to explain it. And especially at that time, I was just a college kid. So it wasn't like I was actually on TV or anything. So anyway, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing at the time. But at this point, I, I'm golden. Like I can walk into Green Hills Mall or do anything. And I'm just used to it at this point. Well, it's it's a freedom at this point, I imagine, to just be able to walk in and not be not be concerned with people's thoughts at the the idea that Steve Lehman, uh, pillar of our Nashville sports media on News Channel Five, may may be putting on his own makeup for TV, or also maybe RuPaul on the side. Who knows? Yeah, Steve <laughs> at least has an excuse to show up to the Clinique counter. You know, like I, me, I when I show up, I don't. I'm like, uh, it's for my wife. It's definitely not for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, either that or you just thought the lady behind the counter was really interesting and, you know, want to get to know her more. Yeah, this, right. This is, this is what you come to the 615 Sessions podcast for, makeup tips from television people. No, we're going to talk <laughs> about a, a virtual national championship that was played last night on behalf of the University of Tennessee. We're going to talk about Jarrell Casey, quote, unquote, being tossed aside like trash by the Tennessee Titans in the latest Manna from Heaven news drop, getting us through this week in sports content. So let's start where, well, I guess, I guess we should start with Casey because that is far, by far and away, the more inflammatory situation. Jarrell Casey goes on the McCourty Twins Double Coverage podcast, the second former Titan to appear on said podcast and give comments, uh, feeling somewhat, somewhat, bothered by their departure from Tennessee. Logan Ryan saying on that podcast that Tennessee never made an effort to resign him. Now the latest, Jarrell Casey feeling slighted by the fact that he was traded away for a then seventh round pick by John Robinson. And in his full quotes to the McCourty twins, as I pull them up here on my screen, courtesy of our friend Teron Davenport at ESPN. You know, I'm an emotional guy. So like, I tried to play it cool. I ain't gonna lie. When I got the news, I was, I was literally at training. And Drew gave me a call. And when he gave me the call, I kind of – I didn't answer the phone. I, like, something – I just felt I knew something was wrong. Um, I kind of sat on it the whole workout. I didn't know if I wanted to call him right back or if I should just wait a little bit and let him call me again. But, you know, I just hopped on the phone with him real quick, and he, he gave me the news that, you know, they was going to be shopping me around. That was the first thing I got. They was going to be shopping me around. And when I got that news, it was kind of – it was a blow to the heart because I would have thought that one of them would hit me up and be like, hey – this is the move we're going to have. This was going to go down. 
uh, case, you know, everything was great. I, hey, I would have been fine with that. I think the part that hurt me the most was that I didn't get a call until about 30 seconds before the trade went down. And that that's the part that kind of hurt the most, bro. It was just – it. I'd probably say three or four days, I, I probably had some moments where I probably had to tell the wife, give me a minute. And I, I let a lot of tears come on out of there. But, hey, God make things happen for a reason, man, and put me in a great position to go do great things. And, you know, Denver, they've been welcoming me with open arms. So that's all I can ask for. And I think that's what's awesome. We had your former teammate on here, Logan Ryan, a few weeks ago. And really giving that backstory, because I think a lot of times fans hear – you know, guy wants more money, guy gets traded, and they're just like, oh, it's a part of the business. And I don't think people understand, like, guys give their heart and soul to teammates, to a city, to an organization. Um, and a lot of times, like you just said, that ends with a call 30 seconds before you get traded, and it's probably a 10-second call, like, we appreciate right. what you did, but we're trading you. Like that's right. And the part that's so crazy is, like you say, man, you, you give so much to them. Especially when you come up on free agency, you do extensions. Like, you have opportunities to go and do things somewhere else, especially the way, you know, we wasn't going. J-Mac, you know how it was when we was there. 2-14, and 3-13. That's that's some rough times. And, like, you know, you have opportunities to get out of there. But, you know, when you're a loyal guy, you feel like, you know, things going in that right direction and you, you're that centerpiece, you, you know, you got no choice but to fight it through. And that's what my whole mindset was, you know, stick it out, ride with it. And at the end of the day, things going to get better. And that's what started to happen. And for us to get to that point to get better and to be a main focus of that, and then you just throw me to the trash like I wasn't the main block of that, I think that's the part, especially coming off an injury a year before. Come off an injury, play the whole season for y'all, no complaints, did everything you want me to do. And, you know, you throw me like a piece of trash. That's that's the piece that that, that hurts the most. And But at the end of the day, you know, at, at the end of the day, none of these businesses is loyal. It's all about you got to take care of your company, take care of your business, and do what's best for you and your family. So at the end of the day, you harp on it for a little bit, but you got to get over it. Steve Lyman, your thoughts? I, I mean, none of these businesses are loyal when you're talking about the NFL in particular. So we all knew that. I, I think in Jarrell's case in particular, it probably hurts a little bit more because he went through all the tough times. He had been here his entire career he really developed himself from a guy who's a third-round pick into a guy that's a five-time pro bowler and really one of the stars of this league, certainly one of the stars of the Titans' renaissance and resurgence. And so I think for him it was a matter of where's, where's the loyalty for everything that I've given to you. I, I do wonder if it would be any different if this was a normal offseason. It feels like to be still harping on it in June seems a little bit long for this, but then I think back at the fact that he hasn't really done anything with the Broncos yet. So that wound is still very fresh. And by the way, that makes Monday night football the first week of the season pretty interesting as well. And the other thing I guess I think about this too is it's an interesting time, I think, if you're a Titans fan. because And I go back longer than you, Buck, in terms of covering the team. But for a long time, there were people who complained that the Titans weren't invested enough to make difficult decisions when it came to getting free agencies or maybe parting ways with certain players. And over the past few years, we've seen a guy like Jason McCourty, who's hosting the podcast. We've seen them cut ties with him, despite the fact that he, for a long time, was the most productive member of the secondary. Now this offseason, you see guys who are huge parts of the turnaround. Delaney Walker, first and foremost at the beginning, Logan Ryan, and Jarrell Casey, 
who they cut ties with. In some cases, maybe the right time, I think nobody thought twice about the Delaney Walker move, but I think in both the Logan Ryan and Jarrell Casey moves, you can make a pretty good argument that those guys are in their prime right now. They're playing as good as they can play and gave this team a lot last year. And they make the move because it's, it's cap space, because they think they're on the back end and you would get diminishing returns perhaps in the next contract. They make the business decisions. They're kind of the Patriots' decisions, if you will. And, and I think it's just interesting if you're a Titans fan, do you love that now, that they're making the truly tough decisions even with players that you love and have grown attached to with the team's resurgence and run to the AFC Championship game last year? Or would you like to see a little bit more loyalty that maybe you were critical of a few years ago? I, I think that's an interesting question for Titans fans. Well, then let's go ahead and ask a Titans fan, Steve. Huff, go. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'll say this. I love Jarrell Casey saying he feels, you know, like he was thrown out like a piece of trash. Uh, and then he goes on and signs an $11 million contract. Like if, if that's the going rate for a piece of trash, then I, I'm going to go hop out in my, in my – uh, in my waistband, like right now, because that is a up. pretty, that's a pretty solid deal. Like I'll, I'll show a little butt crack too, like Jarrell does, but <laughs> no, I, I love Jarrell and I, I hate that he's gone, but to Steve's point, I, I do love the fact that, that this team is, I, I feel like so often before in the past, old Titans teams and old regimes, I guess I should say, would do exactly what Steve is saying, the antithesis of what the, the current Titans are doing now. They would hold on to guys. They would, they would make the uh, – they would sign the guys that – or hold on to the guys that they think are sellable or the franchise the, – the, the faces of the franchise and the guys even well past their prime. And that's not necessarily a decision. I love the fact that John Robinson is basically throwing his, you know, for lack of a better term, stones on the table – and, um, and saying like, look, this is, this is the way we're going to go. I know you guys love Jarrell, but uh, we're going to, we think we can make better moves with it. Now yet with that said, he's yet to prove it. He's yet to prove it because the, there is some gaping holes in the defensive line right now. Hopefully, uh, you know, quote unquote, Jadavion Clowney will, will solve that, you know, but I, I don't Why know. Why quote unquote? Why quote unquote Jadavion Clowney? Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I think I would like J.D. Van Clowney to come. So, but a so lot of, everyone I talked to, everyone I talked to said he's not coming. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, and even with uh, Taylor Lewan's tweet, but can we talk about the fact that that um, the McCourty twins, like their podcast, has suddenly become like a therapist couch for, for scoring Titans? Like, is that like well, what going to see on their neck? They're also creating like more news than just about any media outlet right now right. because they have better access to those guys. You know, Jarrell Casey's not going to sit down and probably do this podcast or come on Sunday Sports Central with us on Channel 5, but he's going to go on the McCourty Twins podcast and talk to them. And so all of a sudden they get the inflammatory quotes about a former team of the offseason, basically, from Big Case today. And Logan Ryan made news when he went on there a couple weeks right. ago. So. They're doing a really good job with the podcast, but it is interesting, and it's amazing when you think about it. I mean, Jason's a former Titan. They had Logan on there. They had Jarrell on there. All of a sudden, this has just been the offseason of Titans making news on that podcast. Yeah, it's just when did they go from the Patriot way to the podcast way? Like, is that – does Bill Belichick know that they have this? 
Uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, actually, I don't know. He knew about all of the Gronk things that Gronk was doing for years. Did he know? As long, oh, for sure. As long as long as they could train the polar bear to go out there and catch touchdowns on Sunday, they didn't care what he did in his spare time. Well, so think, far, well, he probably got free tickets to the Gronk cruise. That's yeah. probably why Bill Belichick, you know, allowed it to happen. He went to the Super Bowl party in Miami in, in flip-flops and cargo shorts. Uh, Bill Belichick living it up down there. Well, who wouldn't want to do that? But the other thing about this, too, is so far, none of the dirt that has been spewed has been about the Patriots. You know? Yeah. Soon as- and, and, oh, by the way, a lot of it's been about the Titans, the team that eliminated the Patriots in the <laughs> yeah, playoffs. Yeah, Bill's so, probably encouraging it. Like, hey, Bill Belichick. Bella- <laughs> Why don't you yeah, get Bill Belichick's all good right Titan now. On. This is a Bill Belichick-sponsored <laughs> podcast without question. Brought yeah. to you by the New England Patriots to sandbag the rest of the league. Great headlines yeah. elsewhere. And then the one Patriot currently on the podcast flies under the radar. But yeah, it- McCourty, McCourty Twins are like, hey, welcome into the McCourty Twin Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bill Belichick. Use promo code TWINS for 10% off. You know, it's like <laughs> promo code Husky, you know he's, he's stirring this pot just to get the other teams uh, screwed. It, just, it, does, it does warm my heart, though, that at the end of the day, Bill Belichick is just ultimate troll in his spare time. Now that he's aging, now that he's more comfortable with his legacy and the security as a football coach, now he's, allow, he's letting his hair down by allowing a player to do a podcast and just stick a knife through John Robinson's back on a, uh, on a Monday in June. But the larger, the larger point, I think, and we'll talk about Clowney here in a second before we move on to Coach Gus Duggerton and the fake national championship that was last night. Uh, the the idea that Jarrell K- Casey can be upset and Titans fans can be a bit wounded and it all be okay at the end of the day because it was still the right decision. They cleared a contract and got draft capital back, turned it into better draft capital in this year's draft, but they cleared the books of north of $10 million the next two years and a final year on that contract of almost 13 and a half that they got rid of in a way that you just don't see those kind of contracts. That's a, that's a bloated, that's a bloated contract that at the end of it or a year or two further into it, when his body starts to fail him and his production starts to decline, as does every NFL player, not named Tom Brady because he eats avocado ice cream fans start to resent those players that are paid that way when they don't produce on the field. And the lasting memory of Titans fans of Jarrell Casey will be in the playoffs getting his first career postseason sack, getting two of them against Lamar Jackson in the, uh, in the divisional round to go on to the, uh, to the AFC championship game. This is just the situation the Titans fans have to deal with, and I feel like a lot of them are okay with it at this point, clowny or not. Well, I, I think that's right. I, this takes nothing away from what Jarrell Casey, the player, did, or frankly sure. the person did in Nashville. But when you look at this Titans team – he alone did not make it the the difference to change what they did up front. No. He was a great player, but they oftentimes lacked in terms of run defense and what they were doing and what pressure they could get up front. We've talked a lot about that over the years. With some of the money that you create with Casey, you bring in a guy like Vic Beasley. Now, how will that turn out? We have to obviously wait and see, kind of the Austin points with that. But if they can get him back into the pass-rushing phenom he was three years ago, well, now all of a sudden, some of that cap space you just cleared up has created the pass rush that you've so desperately been wanting for a significant amount of time. And the other guy to me that is a huge deal here is what does Big Jeff Simmons look like this year? 
he was good last year when he came in off of the injury. But can he take that next step? Can he be a dominant force in the middle of the Titans line this year and be the run clogger but also create some pass rush presence for you up the middle, up the gut against offensive lines? If he can do that, then I think this really is in the past for Titans fans. You're right. There's Titans fans who are disappointed right now that they're not going to see 99 line up next year for them. But if in the middle of the season the production is there from guys like Beasley and guys like Simmons and the defense is getting the job done and the Titans are winning, then ultimately it's going to prove out that it was a really smart move and everybody's going to forgive that. Yeah, not to, not to change sports here, but a lot of what the Titans are doing or at least what they're banking on and hoping comes true, you see a lot uh, here – locally from where I'm coming from in St. Louis with the Cardinals is every year they never go out and they sign that big free agent, but every year they continue to have success with guys that they brought up through their farm system and, and, you know, uh, lesser name players that they can kind of save a buck or two on. And they continue to have that sex. They continue to have that success, but the Titans I think are also trying that, that same route, unless they go out, if they don't get out and, go out and get a Jadavian Clowney or a Marcus Golden or someone to help bolster that line. I think they're, they're banking everything on the, uh, the second year pro, uh, production of a Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, well, the Cardinals also avoided, by the way, the albatross of the Albert Pujols contract yeah. at the right. end. And that's something, not to say Jarrell Casey was anywhere close to that, but sort of to your point, if, if you – get a guy around who's making $13 million a year and you think, I'm not sure what he's going to be in two or three years. Or in the Logan Ryan case, you're signing him to that next contract. He's pushing 30. What's the right years versus dollar amount for a guy in that accord? You know, he had a leg injury, a broken leg a year and a half ago, came back strong. But how many more years do you get that production for that value and I think that's the question they had to had to weigh out and I think you're right the Cardinals are a team and another sport that has avoided that at all costs the Patriots certainly have done it in the NFL and I think you're seeing John Robinson live by that book now and I'm curious I'm curious as to what what Titans fans take will be if towards the end of the season the Titans are ranked in the bottom third of sacks or you know tackles for loss and you've got and then you look out in Denver and Jarrell Casey is also putting up maybe one, maybe two sacks, and his production value has also declined. It's like, where, what will Titans fans' takes be then? Will, will we be upset that they got rid of Jarrell, even though he's still not doing anything this year, or, or what? I, I don't know. It, it, it'll be, it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. It'll shift, it'll shift to, uh, to resentment for them not signing Judavion Clowney. Um, when there was when there was interest at the time, and when they've been the longest running uh, team in the hunt for Jadavion Clowney, and for all of your Clowney watch updates, you can tune in to uh, to the Tighten Up podcast. If they don't ever, sign Clowney, yeah, that resentment will wasted start week so one. So much time just with the, just with the Clowney watch update at the top of every show. Anything happen? Nope. Let's move on. That's what. That's basically what the hey, situation is. Look, with as fast as news is moving these days like we have to stay on top of it and it is our obligation and our duty to start every every episode with a clowny watch update <laughs> you guys have just provided the example of the only reason i'm happy that i'm sometimes limited to three minutes a night <laughs> <laughs> buddy i'm doing seven shows a week i got nothing to talk about for an hour a night and i'm still surviving and thriving speaking of nothing to talk about let's move on 
to uh, the University of Tennessee and something that took place last night before we get your guys, before we make some of you, uh, or you guys explain some of the tweets courtesy of intern Reed, who will join us from behind the screen that you see in, for, in front of you if you are viewing with us on YouTube. Uh, the Vols lose the fake national championship in the midst of NCAA football. Barstool continuing to think outside the box. Live streaming last night to 126,000 people watching Big Cat of Barstool suck at NCAA football, throw six interceptions, and get blown out by Virginia Tech, who even Butch Jones was able to beat. And now we decide, as we're taping this on uh, a Monday, 8.30 uh, Eastern is when Big Cat will decide whether he takes his talents elsewhere in the Doug's Cision Part 3. But it, it speaks to a larger, a larger theme of attention drawn to the University of Tennessee and even an additional revenue stream, having the foresight to partner with Barstool on merchandise for Coach Gus Duggerton and the Vols and allowing Barstool's army to just flood Tennessee's bank account in a time when athletic departments are looking to shave off, you know, a cool $4 million to try and uh, save, save money in the middle of the Rona pandemic. What have you guys made of the, of the live-streamed uh, Tennessee volunteer season? Have you been intrigued by it at all, Steve? You and I basically did a post-game show last night uh, on News Channel 5 and on Primetime, respectively, for it. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing I've learned through this whole pandemic thing where sports have kind of been suspended is you find out who the real creative people are in the world and who can keep their content going and who can keep things fresh, who can give people a laugh, who can allow them to escape COVID-19 talk for 15 minutes or an hour. And the guys at Barstool are geniuses at that. And yes. we knew that before this happened, but their brand has been even more important during this time because you can get your pizza critiques and your funny videos and in this case, you get some level of sports. Now, it's kind of weird because it's NCAA football 14. And, you know, it's random watching a guy play on the couch. But it's just been funny. And it's been something interesting to follow along with. And certainly created a life of its own. I wasn't paying attention when Big Cat was the coach at Toledo or the offensive coordinator at Florida State. But then it started to grow in terms of who was watching and who was paying attention. And then you got coaches chiming in. And by the time he was the head coach at Texas Tech, it became a cult thing. And then you have Matt Campbell tweeting that video, the handshake, where he kind of brushes them off. And oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It funny. It's, just, it's just been awesome. And the idea that you've got people like Brett McMurphy tweeting sources say he's going to Tennessee and the school coming in, I think it's been brilliant. I think for Tennessee football, it's been something to get people excited about Tennessee football without – any players on a practice field or Jeremy Pruitt doing anything. So it was interesting. I don't know how you lose by 20 in that game. I don't know how you throw six interceptions in that game. Well, that's so how you I'm lose by 20. You throw six interceptions. Well, <laughs> that's true. I don't know how you throw six interceptions in that game. So I question how good Big Cat actually is at this game. But it's been pretty funny to, to watch all the way through and gave us, you know, a minute 30 content on the show last night, which is pretty I did. cool. 
I did an hour, almost a full hour on it, Steve. I, I, like, I, looked at my, I looked at myself and said, thank God my parents don't really understand what it is I do for a living because I'm basically just lit their tuition money for college on fire so, doing a fake, a fake post-game show for a fake national championship stream. So let me, ask, somewhere. let me ask you this, if you went a full hour into it, because I didn't get to go this in depth, did, did you blame most of the loss on Coach Duggs himself or on Caleb Presley? Oh, no, it's a classic case of can't, big the, uh, can't win the big game. Coach Duggs choked in his play calling. He was entirely too aggressive early. He was forced, causing them to force pass plays when they didn't need to pass early in that game when he threw the first interception on that first drive. And then everything devolved in the, in the course of the six interceptions, the three before halftime. But now Duggs decides whether he stays at Tennessee or moves on to another program. And so I will ask our regular bad joke correspondent, Austin Huff, do you keep the joke alive too long by allowing him another two weeks at the University of Tennessee? Does the fervor die down, Huff? Yeah, no, he's, he's not coming back to Tennessee. Yeah. I, and it, there's, there's not a chance. And he, he says it, you know, Tennessee fans were, were very quick to jump on the fact that he was like, I'm doing at least two years at Tennessee. He said that at every stop. Like, he's not, he's not, Fraud. He's not staying another season. And honestly, for as great as Vol Twitter is and how powerful it is, like, honest, really, like, the smartest thing Barstool did during this whole thing was create this Coach Doug's character. The second smartest thing they ever did was to make him the head coach at Tennessee and getting that just literally the vault army behind this like beast. And it's, it's really ramped it up to bigger than it ever was at any of his previous stops. And I credit that to vault Twitter and everything that they do. They really do get behind their football team, whether it be real or fake. And yeah, I, but I just don't think that Doug's is going to stay just because it, you got to think in that marketing mind. Why would, why would you do another year at Tennessee? You already sold the t-shirts. You already, you know, you got everything out of it that you can go to another school, sell some more t-shirts, do more stuff like that. And I mean, I could be proven wrong by the time people are listening to this, you know, he, he very well could have chosen to stay at Tennessee, but I just don't see it happening. I, I, I agree. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know how you keep people engaged for another two weeks when our attention spans are already so short, but look, right. the and it's the same know? schedule. It's the same schedule playing on that. Last right. night, you have Lane Kiffin doing free marketing for the University of Tennessee, uh, and that is that is a wonder to behold. But now it is at the time of the podcast every Tuesday where we ask our guest co-hosts to explain some of their tweets. So we will now allow intern Reed to remove himself from the dark depths of the podcast world. Reed, what have you come prepared uh, for us to explain here before the people on the 615 sessions. Absolutely. Thank you again for this segment. Uh, first is to Mr. Steve here. Uh, Mr. Steve. Yeah, exactly. I got to be polite here, you know. Uh, <laughs> on April 28th, you tweeted out, you retweeted that the Belgian, Belgium is having an issue with all their potatoes. And they're having a call that they need all Belgians are being called to eat fries at least twice a week. And your claim is that you feel like several million Americans can help them with how many are you going to be eating? Would you eat fries twice a week? How many weeks would you go? Yeah, answer uh, the question, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> now the, well, now I mean, you're under the hard light. This is, the, this is where we do the serious investigative journalism, Layman. If, if it's a true crisis, I will definitely pitch in and do my part. I, I'll go two, three times a week. And that's a commitment for me because I'm, I'm normally a pretty healthy eater. 
So I, I would not normally do that. But if it's a true crisis and Belgium's on the line here or, uh, you know, America's ultimately on the line here and our potato consumption, I'll, I'll give you at least three times a week. All right. And, and you know that Lehman will come up with creative ways to eat the potatoes because of the, the fine job that the folks at Black Rabbit, uh, the great mm -hmm. restaurant downtown Nashville that you can check out, many options of potatoes. So Lehman will not be wanting in terms of variety. It doesn't just have to be fries. They will have all kinds of creative, uh, creative things prepared there at the Black Rabbit. Uh, Excellent Huff. point. Uh, Huff, what do we have prepared for Austin Huff to make him Absolutely. score here? Sticking with a, the uh, food here. Um, Austin Huff retweeted uh, Jonathan May saying, KFC is jumping into the chicken sandwich fray. And you said they finally show up, but they're showing up after all the troops have gone home and packed up, gone home, not even yeah. worried about it. Are you excited for a KFC chicken sandwich, or is it way too late? I Yeah, that, like, the, that was like two pandemics ago, the <laughs> chicken sandwich wars. You know, like our, the earth has moved on so much, so far. And now KFC's like, oh, hey guys, we got our sandwich now. It's like, are you, where have you guys been? Like, no, to be honest with you, no, I'm not going through this whole, uh, I'm not waiting in line for another chicken sandwich if, for the rest of my life, probably, let alone right now during this global pandemic. So yeah, no thanks, KFC. Uber Eats kind of took the whole sex appeal away from the from the Popeye's chicken sandwich because now I can just order it to my house. I no longer have to brave the crowds and the, and the raucous environment that is uh, that Popeye's chicken sandwich caused. And also, KFC has already once ventured into the chicken sandwich game by doing what what was it called the double down? KFC is never going to advertise on this podcast, but they were literally trying to kill people. They with were that double down sandwich, two pieces of chicken, fried chicken. Uh, that had in 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 between the uh, what was considered the chicken bun cheese and many many strips of bacon. So KFC already had their first crack at this and failed miserably because they were literally just clogging people's arteries. I think it was called the instant heart attack. Is what I remember. I'm pretty sure. I, I feel I experienced one because my fat ass had to try one. Go. What do you got for me, Reid? All right, Mr. Buck. So Mr. at eight nine a.m. Yeah, we're going with Mr. Buck here. But eight forty nine a.m. On June 4th, you – I don't know what goes through your mind when you retweet people this early in the morning, but it's never good. I'm probably you exhausted. You're just exhausted reading one piece of information about a – Hazel Ward retweeted a Spanish porn star, Mr. Nacho Vidal, who advertises his candles that are shaped in male genitalia form, has been arrested for manslaughter following a man's death after a mystic ritual – in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. <laughs> Why are you retweeting this at nine in the morning? That, I mean, that's my first question. Well, uh, one, first and foremost, it's uh, likely because I have some familiarity with the, the work of one Mr. Nacho Vidal. Uh, <laughs> secondly, it's because my home uh, is in need of new scent, and perhaps I'm exploring candles in the form of male genitalia. So now it's time for the thing that we do at the end of every 615 sessions, and that is five good minutes. A subject of the day that I would like to spend a little t extra time here with you guys discussing, and today's subject is Matt Neely, because June the 9th, 6-9, 69, nice, in honor of the boy, we are declaring this, in the absence of Matt Neely, Matt Neely Day. And so I wanted to spend a little bit of time for those of you, most of you know who Matt Neely is and what Matt Neely represented to Tennessee Titans fans. 
and how he kind of how he kind of expanded the brand of the team in a way that I found just from an observation standpoint to be hugely invaluable because there has been no one to replace the thing that Matt Neely brought to the table and that is social media creativity. See Matt is one of one of one of us somebody who I consider to have come up if you want to call it that come up the same way that I did just honestly from being an internet troll but Matt did it so much better. I assume he had a huge stack of of licensing litigation issues that he was just avoiding because there's no way for as many NFL highlights and straight up full songs that he used in his creative moments that he could have been getting away with that without there being, as Andrew Brandt says, without lawyers being involved. There will be lawyers, the famous words from Andrew Brandt, who writes for Sports Illustrated, the former Green Bay Packers executive and NFL agent. So Matt Neely, through his creativity, made a name for himself in this unique space that is Titans Twitter. And so my interactions with him before Bussin' with the Boys that ultimately went on to do the deal with Barstool and become now a national show, show, that was Compton and Lawan. they are the primary actors, but this was really Matt Neely's brainchild. He is the person who really helped elevate them in a way that made them appealing to Barstool because there was creativity involved. But before all of that, Matt Neely was simply somebody who existed on Reddit and in Twitter uh, Titans, uh, Titans fan groups and on Titans Facebook and somebody who was just out here doing it differently. And my first interaction with him, I was still working at the radio station and I was doing the show called Tackling Music City. And it's a terrible name. I hated it so much. We couldn't use anything Titans related because of life, of rights issues. And for some reason, my bosses thought it was not a good idea to have two-tone in the title, which is the only other thing that people associate with Tennessee Titans. But these are issues for me to rant about on another occasion. So... Tackling Music City was the name of the show, and we would have guest co-hosts much the same way that we do now. This was born of the same vein as the 615 sessions. And one time, I believe it was Corey Curtis of Channel 2 who was going to come in and guest co-host with me, and for some reason or another, Corey had to drop out last minute. And at that time, we were still abiding by scared, safe, cowardly ways of doing radio that involved traditional media, things that were, you know, of newspaper or, or Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. And still, all of these people factor very much into our lives. But at the time, things were not being done creatively. Creative voices were not being heard. And so I invited this Twitter personality, someone who I just, for the life of me, could not figure out but was curious about, Matt Neely, to come in and guest co-host the two-hour live radio show with me, having never met him, having been unfamiliar with the podcast that he hosted, the Run Pass Opinion, which he later told me right before we went on the air was heavily edited, and so he had no experience in front of a microphone, and it very much showed. 
But that guy endeared himself to me in a way that I am grateful for his friendship. I'm grateful for the fact that he told me later that when he pitched Taylor Lewan and Will Compton to become, at that time, the producer for Bussin' with the Boys, that he pitched him my model for tackling Music City, that it was conversations with your friends, not really about sports, but, but I mean, we talk about sports, but with sports as the platform for larger conversations. And so that always meant a great deal to me. And I, I appreciate that someone creative, not to make this self-involved, but I appreciated that somebody with his level of creativity uh, thought enough of what we were doing to try and incorporate it into something larger. And so I miss my friend Matt Neely very much, and I'm happy that we got to honor him today on June the 9th, 6-9, 69, for the boy, nice, here on 5 Good Minutes. It's 5 Good Minutes on our dear friend, rest in peace, rest in power, Matt Neely. And that's going to do it for this Tuesday's edition of the 615 Sessions podcast. A great conversation had by all on the way out the door. Shouts to Steve Lehman of News Channel 5 of Austin Huff, who you can hear in this very same podcast feed with Jack Gentry every Wednesday on the Tighten Up podcast. Shouts to Intern Reed, who does such a great job researching the tweets that we are forced to explain in front of you, the public. If you do not, if you did not get enough of the 615 Sessions podcast, the audio edition, you can find this full podcast, minus five good minutes, on YouTube, on the A to Z Sports YouTube page. So make sure you're subscribed to that. You can also get the A to Z Sports Morning Show there. And we are producing content, mass producing content, in a time when uh, everything should be shrinking. The A to Z Sports empire continues to grow. We will be back in your podcast feeds on Thursday with more great conversations with our friends in and around sports here in the 615. So until then, stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.